Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. And we're back. I apologize for that. I've brought this up in past episodes, but I still think it's really insane how like we wouldn't even be having this discussion right now if it wasn't for Super Smash Bros. Melee putting Marth and Roy into the game. Yeah, that's that's a fair discussion. And that almost didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, it would have happened for the Japanese version of the game regardless, but the localizers did seriously consider taking them out of the game for the English release. And that that would have been lame. Yeah. Because, for one thing, we wouldn't have gotten Fire Emblem 7, which is still in my top five list. I do think Three Houses is my number one for the series at this point. Flaws and all. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of people have love for 7. 7 is... I really strongly recommend it if you haven't played it. Like, I know permanent death can be really scary, but... Honestly, 7's difficulty is generally pretty forgiving. Seven is kind of one of the pillars of the series for a lot of people. Yeah, because Seven, for a little bit of context about Seven, it kind of came out in a weird time because Shozo Kaga, the creator, had just left just two games before. Thracia 76 was his last game. And so with Fire Emblem Six, the team was trying to kind of figure out what they were doing without his direction. And while there were some successes in the, what they chose to do, there were also a lot of failures. And then 7 is where they really got a grip on what they were doing. And it is just a much better game overall than 6. Now, out of all the Fire Emblem games, I, I always hear them say Fire Emblem 7. That's always the numbered one, while all the others get to have their subtitles. Which one is the 7th one again? It's the one with uh, Lynn, Elliewood, and Hector. When it was released out here, it was just called Fire Emblem. The official subtitle is Blazing Blade, but again, because the official release was just Fire Emblem, no one uses it. Oh, or they okay. just use FE7. Another reason a lot of people use numbers is because it is a lot faster than the subtitles, especially for like 12, for example, which was a Japan exclusive as well. Uh, 12's official full title is Fire Emblem, New Mystery of the Emblem, Heroes of Light and Shadow. That is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. And so most people just choose to refer to it as FE12. It is a little troublesome to suddenly remember, it's like, okay, this number's this game, this number's this game and stuff. I uh, guess that's fair. I mean, I guess if Final Fantasy could get away with it. Although Final Fantasy does include the numbers in the titles, so. Yeah, that, that would help if Fire Emblem did that. I, I think that, like, for the last few games, they're able to get away with just the subtitles, like... Well, the Fire Emblem has always been based around subtitles anyway. The numbering system is more for the convenience of the fans. It's a quick shorthand to say, oh, I'm referring to that game. But every single game has a subtitle, even going back to the original. Yeah, Fire Emblem 1 is called Fire Emblem Dark Dragon and the Sword of Light. So yeah, the, the series has always used subtitles as a way to differentiate their entries. So, uh, Thracia 776... When I first saw that title, I thought, that sounds like a file name or something. That doesn't sound like an actual subtitle for a game. <laughs> I was like, oops, we left it on the box. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. Well, what what it is is a reference to is the year that it takes place in in that world. I figured. Because, yeah, it, it's kind of a mid-quote-ish for Fire Emblem 4. 
uh, there's a lot of differences between the two with Thracia kind of acting more as a what if for those sections of the game. Mm, so it's questionably canon. Yeah, it's canon to itself, and it yeah. does generally work within the wider context of FE4, but it has some little things in there that you just kind of go, huh, well, you kind of wonder. But yeah, that's, that, that's why that's the name. And then the, the Thracia part of it comes from the fact that the whole game takes place on the Thracia Peninsula, which is a specific area of Jugdral. I figured as much. So. What I find interesting is, uh, well... What I find interesting is that a lot of the games will refer to the continent by name regularly in conversations, and maybe it's because we live on a very big continent, it, it doesn't really occur to us to do that as much, so it's always kind of weird, like, oh yeah, Fodlin this, Fodlin that. Yeah. Uh, like, Three Houses does do it a little bit more excessively than I feel a lot of the other games do, but for good reason. Fodlin is a very... It's a very unique part of the world with its own culture that very clearly has a lot of differences from the other continents surrounding it. That's one of the things I really appreciate a lot about Three Houses is that there is some world building. There is an idea that there is a world beyond just what you're seeing. Yeah, it just it just sounds kind of weird if it's like if we went to like Egypt and it was like Africa this, Africa that. I. I do think a lot of the reason people do use Fodlin as a whole is because it is all technically united under the church. Well, fair enough. So even though each nation has differences, they all, they're all they all based on a shared culture and a shared religion. That's fair. I also find it interesting that they always say, oh, it's the Empire, it's the Alliance, it's the Kingdom. They They rarely use the names to the point where the names kind of feel like an afterthought. Like they, they didn't have to give it the embarrassing name of Lester, but they did, but they don't even use it anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the name Lester Alliance it rolls off the tongue. Uh, uh, yeah. But like Lester, it's like, Oh, howdy shucks. It's me, Lester. <laughs> I, I don't know why I inserted shucks into there, but yeah, make it sound more of a drawly thing, but yeah, I get what you're coming from. A lot of the older games, though, do refer to their continent names less. Awakening and Fates don't even refer to their continent names at all. With Awakening, it's kind of acceptable because the continent was established as Arcanea in the Marth games. Fates, I don't know what Fates' excuse is. Yeah, that's that's been a sticking point. Like, among the myriad of things people dis dissect about the game, th that's one where I'm like, yeah, wh why didn't they give it a name? I mean, I, maybe that's why they called it Fodlin every 20 seconds or something yeah. for it. That they could be compensating, you are correct. Yeah, Fates has a lot of issues, but the lack of world building is one of the most egregious. I guess it's about time we got to that part of the discussion. Where, like, I know like, you're, you're a really vocal critic of that game in a lot of the conversations we've been part of. That game hurt me. Um, when it was in its pre-release phase, I was le legitimately excited for it. I really loved Awakening a lot. I was still on, like, I'd only been a Fire Emblem fan for a few years, so I was still, like, on a high. Like, I got on, like, a year or two before Awakening came out. So, I'm only a pre-Awakening fan, just barely. But, so I was super excited for Fates, and the premise was just so good. Like, there's so much drama and conflict that can arise 
from having to play a character to choose between the people they love as family and the people who are their family by blood. Like, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. And then everything about the game, visually speaking, and the gameplay just seemed like it was really evolving and refining a lot of what Awakening had done. And I was, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited for it. And the story, it, just, it seemed so amazing. And then I got the game and I played it. And the story, I, I genuinely found it revolting. And it, it was bad enough to the point where I had a hard time working the motivation up to go to the next chapter until eventually I just stopped. To this day, I have not finished any version of Fates. And I'm probably not going to. Wow, like, I didn't know it went that far. Like, I knew you were kind of disappointed with it. I didn't know it was, like, revolting. <laughs> yeah, I had a really, really strong reaction to that game. Like, it was a hard 180 swing, and now I just... You hate it more than Ben does. Wow. I don't like it. I really don't like it. For a uh, lot of different reasons. I will admit the gameplay had a lot of great ideas in it, but I feel it kind of stayed on the wrong side of the line between mechanic and gimmick for a lot of its runtime, especially with um, Dragon Veins in particular. Mm. And also enemy skills, especially in Conquest, it's like it was maddening. Like, legitimately maddening to try to keep track of everything the enemies could do to you because there wasn't a lot of consistency to it. It almost felt like skills were handed out at random. And it was design decisions like that that just kind of really put me off from the gameplay side. And because I hated the story so much, yeah. I will admit that while I was a lot more supportive of the game in the early phases, like, I have come to accept that yeah, it has, like, a lot of warts to it, and the story is not well executed. A lot of the <laughs> character... It's my time to talk. Yes, I'm I, I'm listening. Like, a lot of the characters are kind of one note and stuff, and... Like, it, it, it doesn't disgust or offend me, but now that I've seen, like, more examples in the series, I thought, ooh, wow, they really drop the ball with this one and it's really more to the point where it fascinates me more than anything because I, I i looked into some of the history and the background of the game about how it was like the corporate meddling that kind of got them to make it different standalone games like like it is kind of like how pokemon works you know yeah although credit where credit is due intelligent systems did put in effort to differentiate the versions more than just, like, a few different characters. So, yeah. you know, credit where it's due. Yeah, the, the game... I think there were things to like about it. It's, oh, with a... There are... There is good to it. I just... From... Yeah, actually, I'll just... I'll stop there. Yeah, like, there, there's good to it. It's just, for some people... Uh, I, uh, the 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 adage I was going to use is the sum of its parts, but I don't know which direction to use that in. But the game is less than the sum of its parts, is I think yeah. what you were going for. Yeah, yeah. For some people, it's less. For some people, it's not. Like I, I have some memories associated with the game that are still like really important memories to me. So I'll never truly hate the game or anything. 
I mean, in, in an indirect way, it did kind of bring us together because I saw a casting call in Ben's fan fiction for the audio drama, which yes, didn't really work right. out. But hey, we're still here now. Yeah, we're still talking, which is great. And I work very closely with Ben now. Yeah, I will admit, I really did like Ben's take on Fates, and I'm kind of sad that he stopped it, but I understand why he stopped it. I mean, hey, those self-inserts weren't going to write themselves. (laughs) He actually posted that. When did he post that? No, I think uh, Song was still going when he posted the initial self-insert chapter, and he was adamant that he wasn't going to write another chapter it's like he just had it to a point where like i'm just going to share this and see what happens and then the response was really positive i do think that they were aware of where they went wrong with fates because a lot of like not just three houses but also echoes yes had yes i was just gonna say that they had a lot of similar premises and then they actually delivered on the promises yeah. And um, one of the reasons I do love Three Houses so much is that I do feel like it delivered better on the idea of having to choose a side of a war and not being able to save everyone. Like, Fates was attempting that, but I don't think it quite got there. Three Houses, with all its shortcomings, and I could go on a tangent about Three Houses' shortcomings, it still gives you that feeling of like, oh my god, this is a war and no one's coming out happy. Someone said there is no golden ending, but I would just like to say Golden Deer. It's right in the name. <laughs> Even that, though, there's still a lot of things that happen in that route. I was, it doesn't I was just end happily for a joke. everyone. But yeah, I get what you mean. It, it's a good joke. That's kind of a problem I had in the Crimson Flower route that I brought up in the other episode where... Like, oh, it's for the good of Fodlin, it's for the good of the people, get rid of the crest so the people aren't suffering anymore. But, you know, that that sounds nice, but then, in practice, I am violently murdering characters I know for the sake of villagers I'm never actually going to meet. Yep, and that's that's the dilemma there. Although, to be fair, Edelgard is a character that her ideals come from suffering and pain. She is trying to dismantle the system that enabled her abusers. Yeah, she's so the angry millennial character. Yeah. But her anger is entirely justified. She lost a lot and is hurting. I mean, yes, she does want to get back at the people who did it to her, but more importantly, she wants to dismantle the system that encouraged her abuse in the first place so that other people won't have to suffer with her. And that's the reason that Lysithia can join the Crimson Flower route, because she is also a victim of the same type of experimentation that hurt Edelgard. Yeah, I get that. Granted, Crimson Flower still did a lot wrong, especially with its pacing. My god, what were they thinking making it only 18 chapters? But in terms of Edelgard's motivation, I think it is really well fleshed out. Yeah, it's just kind of hard to sympathize when again, I'm just killing people I know for the sake of people I don't know. Yep. I, I, I'm not I'm not meeting tiny suffering Edelgard. I'm not meeting a random villager who's getting tortured for their crest or anything. Yeah. Maybe if they had a couple extra chapters, they could have done that. 
Maybe they could have, but I do feel like there is a reflection there of Edelgard's harshness. Like, that brutal side of her that, in her route, you are participating in. Like, the more I think about Crimson Flower, the more I realize it is coherent, it just doesn't have enough room to breathe. Yeah, it's a little rushed. Yeah. Like, you take care of the Leicester Alliance in two chapters. Uh, Like, what? (laughs) Well, I think that's at least... It's easier to swallow that because it is established that some of the territories are already on your side. Yes, it is easier to swallow that. But it's all this, it's just two chapters. You just bulldoze through it and not a whole lot happens character-wise. And then you have a defense chapter and then you bulldoze through Fargus in two chapters. And then you're at the end of the game with the end game. And it's like, the progression of the war is, I think, my biggest problem with Crimson Flower. Yeah. As a route. One of the things that interesting interests me is that you always encounter every Black Eagle and every Blue Lion in the time skip, but not every Golden Deer shows up depending on which route you're on. Yeah, that that was interesting to me. I played like, Crimson... Raphael? Yeah. Nowhere to be found in Crimson Flower. I think it's implied that Lorenz's territory is on the Empire's side, so it would have been nice to have some kind of acknowledgement of him. But Yeah, maybe he could show up in the monastery as an NPC. That would have been neat. I heard some unsavory implications about Marianne, but I want to get more of her support conversations before I can really Marianne, think about that. Marianne's an enigma. Like, you can tell that she's suffering from something, but... I can't think of any supports that go into any kind of specific detail, like, for example, Bernadetta's does. Raphael, I guess he's just eating somewhere or something. Yeah. Like, Marianne literally doesn't appear if you don't recruit her in any of the routes. Like, she oh, is the no-show. And based on what I've heard, there is an, like I said, an unsavory implication about that, but I don't I don't really know for sure. I still need to look into that more when I get back I'll to the game. I'll probably need to look into it more myself, but I'll think about that later. My main goal with Three Houses is to just get through all the routes, and the one I'm really dreading is uh, Church, because I have to play Black Eagles Part 1 again, because I was stupid. When you start as Black Eagles, but then you end as Golden Deer in the same route. Yeah, but... Pro tip to anyone listening to this, if you haven't played Black Eagles yet, when you get up to chapter 11, save before you start the battle to a separate file. That way you can reload the save and do the other route split immediately without having to play part one again, like me. Don't be a dingus, like me. (laughs) (laughs) Or me. (laughs) Oh, you did it too? Yeah. (laughs) Oof. Well, I I just might, I'll straight up might not even play that route. I'm sure there's a Let's Play you'll be able to watch that just covers the story. What was it? Cause, oh yeah, one thing that's really gonna bug me, because I, I haven't quite got there yet. In one of the routes, I'm like right before it. In the other route, I'm still kind of catching up. I'm gonna have to watch Geralt die twice. I'm gonna have to deal with that entire rigmarole of everybody yeah. consoling me, and all the sad music, and the gatekeepers sobbing. I'm gonna have to do all that twice, and it's just gonna hurt me. Honestly, I feel like that exploration after the death is more effective than the death itself. 
Yeah. Like, the death is not bad. It is well handled emotionally. There is enough attachment to Geralt to feel something, but I don't know. I I feel like it could have been better, particularly because of Byleth. I'm not the biggest fan of Byleth. Byleth is a very subtle character. There is some characterization there, but honestly, whenever Byleth is interacting with anyone, it feels like someone's talking to a wall. That's kind of the point, is that they are really stone cold at first, but they they subtly get a bit more emotive. Like I, I saw an interesting Tumblr post about it, actually, where they showed that Byleth does actually emote more often as the game progresses. Yes, this is fair. But even so, the the silent protagonist aspect of it is, I think, the most jarring part in a game that is so heavily voice acted. There is so much spoken dialogue in this game. It's it's mind-boggling to think of how many hours they had to have spent recording. Yeah, poor Patrick Seitz. He had to direct all that. Yeah. Did a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just can't imagine how many hours each actor had to put in. And then the poor director who had to be with all of the actors in all of their sessions. It's like, holy crap. One thing, again, is that going back to exploring the monastery and everyone's all sad and stuff, is even after you avenge Geralt, they they keep the sad music for the rest of the school year. I'm like, why... I don't want to feel this sad anymore. Go back to the other music. Well, it's because the very next chapter you merge with Sothis and then she stops speaking up. I'm not really sad about that, though. I don't know. I kind of felt something there. I wasn't, like, sad about it, but I'm like, oh. Oh, I liked Sothis. And now she's not going to be talking anymore. I will admit, that cutscene that plays when they merge, 10 out of 10. It's really good. Oh, yeah, it was a good one. Like, the music, the way they animated it, it just, it works. Did you see, uh, someone made a video where they, like, inserted Sylvain dancing into that scene? (laughs) No, I haven't seen that. Please link that. I want to see that. I'll show you later, but there's a meme where they got, like, Sylvain's character model in, uh, I don't know, Source Filmmaker or Gmod or something, and they got it to do lots of dances. They have one for both his school and war models, Oh, and it's beautiful. One got one. Someone put him like over like a Justin Timberlake remix or something, just inserting mm-hmm. him dancing into all kinds of inappropriate moments. One of them being that scene you were talking about, and they even went as far as to give Sylvain like a green glow, like everyone else had in that scene. <laughs> and there was. That's... There's oh, a, I love that. There was a YouTube comment that said, when you forget that you made Sylvain your adjutant in chapter 10. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm in the void with you guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that sounds amazing. Anyway, this kind of turned into a three houses discussion. Oh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised either. I, I felt like it's it was just... kind of inevitable. It's just there's so much to talk about with it, though. Like, I'm constantly just amazed by what they did with this game. And there's there's so much we haven't even touched on. Like, yeah. they added a mode where you can zoom in and walk around as your characters. It's functionally useless for gameplay purposes, but it's really cool to dabble in every now and then. Now I'm Byleth. 
Yeah, or Sylvain, or Ingrid, or or Bernadetta. Uh, oh, Thea's. oh, you meant in the in the the map? I thought you meant exploring the monastery. Yeah, no, in the map. If you push plus, you'll zoom in, and when you select a character, instead of just moving a cursor around, it's the character moving through their movement range. It's a really neat thing, oh, yeah. and it, it really. You can zoom in and really examine the maps from that angle. There's a lot of perspective you can get from, you know, messing around with it. It's horrible to play in. Don't actually try playing in it, but looking yeah. around in it is really neat, and I'm glad it's there for that reason, if none other. I feel like it's kind of a flex that they have that. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of it is that they used, a, if not the same engine, a very similar graphics engine to what was used in Fire Emblem Warriors. Yeah, I think that... The... They were like they they got some of the people from that game working on this one. Yeah, because if you look at the credits, Koei Tecmo is credited as a co-developer. There is a scene in like chapter three when like Catherine is walking through the fog. It had the same feel as a warrior's character intro. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. That that is a very fair observation, which kind of does lead to one of the weaknesses of the games. It's very visually inconsistent. There are parts of it that look phenomenal and parts of it that look like, oh god, why? The UI is nice but cluttered. The character models are great, but some of the textures, not so much. And uh, then the environments are really hit or miss. Yeah, I saw, again, to just kind of name drop things that I look at, Alpha Rad, who's like a YouTube guy. I think he plays competitive. I've seen Smash some of his stuff. He made yeah. a tweet about the fruits in the markets. How... <laughs> oh, I've looked at those. Oh, man. He said that imagine if the Pokemon Sword and Shield people, with the player, the people who hated Pokemon Sword and Shield saw these in the game. Imagine how they'd react, he said, because people who hate Sword and Shield were throwing a fit about a tree that had bad textures or something. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to defend that. I don't know what happened with Fire Emblem Three Houses visually, because the Switch is capable of some really breathtaking visuals. <clears throat> Breath of the Wild. <clears throat> Whew. And with Fire Emblem, you're programming just animations. Well, I think it's probably because they had a lot of things going on in the game at once that they, they kind of needed to slack on some parts just to make it all work. But I don't know, even then, the the monastery lags constantly. Like, yeah, there are that's so true. many noticeable areas where the frame rate drops or just, your movement slows down. It's like, the Switch is better than that. Why is this not optimized? Sometimes I go to, like, I think it's the cathedral or something, and they actually won't let me in because the door hasn't finished loading, I guess. And it yeah, open. Oh, all the time. All the time. It's like that meme, let me in! Let me in! Let me in! Yeah. No, I get that. And I, I just have to wonder, why did this happen? The Switch can run Breath of the Wild relatively smoothly. Like, there's only a few areas in that game that have any kind of slowdown. I mean, it's not just the hardware. It's the people who are working on the software as well. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, Warriors is kind of like a like a B-list series. Maybe even C-list. Like... The devs probably don't have all that rich kid Nintendo money. That's fair, but Nintendo is funding Fire Emblem Warriors. It shouldn't have been a money issue, but... I mean, not Warriors, uh, Three Houses. Wow, I'm, I must be getting tired. 
I don't know what happened visually. I think the game is capable of better. Fortunately, if the trends on the 3DS are anything to go by, they will improve that. If there's one thing I can say about the 3DS trilogy of the game is that each one is better presented than the last. Awakening is decently well presented, but has its obvious issues. I think the UI is a little bland and feet models don't have feet. And even then, the way they integrated environments into combat was really stale. And then Fates, it added feet, the character models were better, the lighting was better. It added that really cool feature where you zoom in onto the map whenever you start oh, a battle. Yeah. And it, then Echoes is just like... I think that aesthetically speaking, if not technically, Echoes looks better than Three Houses. Like, I, I feel like the world feels more... Not more detailed, but... It feels more artistic. It feels like they were really pushing everything they had on that system, whereas Three Houses feels like it's not challenging the Switch at all, even if the chugging says otherwise. But you get what I mean? Yeah. And in the defense of Three Houses, some of it might also just be growing pains, like getting used to the new system, what they can do with it, what they can't do yeah. with it. But again, but because we saw that improvement trend in the 3DS games... I have full confidence that the next Fire Emblem game that comes out on Switch is going to be a significant visual upgrade from Three Houses. Probably. I feel like we could probably go all night, but let's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Like, we spent so much time on Three Houses, and there's 15 other games to look at. <laughs> uh, we, we dabbled in some of the other games a bit. We did. We did. So, uh, any... I might, I might actually have to split this into a couple episodes. We're over an hour now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by my count, we're about an hour and 15. Yeah. Hour 16 for me, maybe, but that's editing. So, any uh, final thoughts? Not really. I mean, I've said a lot of my feelings on the series, and the, the only thing I didn't really talk about was why I value the things I do, but that's that's a whole nother... 15 20 minute tangent so i'm not going to get into that fair enough but yeah i love fire emblem just in general even if i really hate fates also pro tip again don't play fire emblem one don't do it <laughs> that game is antiquated as all heck uh let's see i fire emblem is it's one of those games where i i'm I'm never wanting for someone to talk about Fire Emblem with. I have a lot of Fire Emblem playing friends, but it's I don't I don't even know if I'd say it's in my top ten series, but it, it's just very easy to talk about because I have a lot of people who also like it. And it's also a series that lends itself very well to discussion. Yeah, like some some games, like they're great. How much can you possibly have to say about them, though? Yeah. Oh like boy. Mario games, for example. They're really good, they're really fun to play, but really how much are you going to say about running and jumping? I could probably be, I could probably search for a few more things than that. I was going to say like Pac-Man or something. Oh yeah, Pac-Man. <laughs> very, very simplistic game. Important game, but simplistic. Actually, I did a, a detailed Mario episode just this last week. I talked about how I thought Mario Galaxy 2 was kind of the turning point for the series in the recent years where people weren't really like people felt like mario games were getting way too samey and i felt like mario galaxy 2 was like 
the secret culprit behind all that. That was the that is a really fair point. observation, actually. But that's getting the conversation off topic, and we are trying to wrap this up. Yeah. By the way, go listen to that episode. Of this. Do it. Okay, yeah, Fire Emblem, pretty good, pretty easy to talk about. We should do this again sometime because I know we're. Not... We should actually get Ben in this because yes, because he he has his own flavor to add to the discussion that is different from anything you or I can bring because everyone's different and they all bring their own flavor to things. Yeah, and he was going to be in this one, but then uh, you see, when you're an adult, you can't do schedules very well. <laughs> and plus, Ben lives in such a radically different time zone that coordinating can be a little on the tricky side. Yeah, but uh, this was fun. Thank you for joining me, Rice. You're welcome. I I had a lot of fun getting a lot of this off my chest. Oh. And thank you for bearing with my very cathartic fates discussion. Uh, I've had a journey with that game. <laughs> Let's just call it that. Yeah, so, I didn't have a journey. I had a uh, uh, putting my hand in a frying pan and coming back burned. <laughs> well, I mean, at least it's not Radiant Dawn. You are correct. Although I'd still say that Fates is a little bit lower on my list than Radiant Dawn, but not by much. Yeah, I was trying to end this on a relatively positive note, but... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Fire um, Emblem good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nothing to report. <laughs> These aren't the droids you're looking for. Okay, bye everyone. Be sure to... Goodbye. <laughs> You had a perfect tea time. P.T. and Rice's charm both increased by one. Be sure to follow the BitCast on Twitter so you can see P.T. talk about Fire Emblem even more along with other games next week in a Decade in Review type of episode. See you there. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.